Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. Welcome to the show, everybody. Drew Nation. This is Drew Allen, your millennial minister of truth. It's good to be back with you. We've kind of gotten into this thing right now where it's been one week. Not perfect, obviously, for me or for you, of course, as well. I know you're just longing, longing for the next episode as I am. But anyway, that's where we are today. But we're back here on, um, I guess it's Tuesday, Captain. Captain, I, I, I did something yesterday. I just shared with the audience. Um... I was invited to speak to the Republican women's group here in the Napa Valley where I am. And so I went and spoke to them. And one thing which you can relate to, Captain, I cannot be right on time, right? Every time I start the show with you, I say, if we're going to do 60 minutes, which is the goal, set the timer for 45 minutes, right? And I'll still go over to like a minute eight, an hour eight. And so I joked about that yesterday and I was supposed to give a 30 minute speech and I think I went for 60 minutes. So. So, you know, and you got to get out of there. It was, it, it was, it was, it was good. It was, it was a good time. But one of the things that I don't talk about, because it doesn't matter to anybody listening, but it might be kind of interesting. You know, it's, it was really enjoyable, Captain. I mean, I had a bigger audience than Joe Biden's ever had. So that went to my head. You know, there were probably 50 people listening to me. So it was a bigger audience than Joe Biden's ever seen. Um, but Speaking in person, if you can do it, and people should develop that skill set, it's so rewarding. There's an immediate gratification. You can see the looks on people's faces. Obviously, there's energy that you can uh, take from around you. Improvisation happens. Questions get asked occasionally, too. And it, 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 I, I left, Captain, just feeling invigorated. I felt, I felt really optimistic to have made a connection with those people and to have had the response that I did. And of course, you know, I was speaking on 9-11, which I wasn't originally supposed, I was supposed to speak next month, but I'm not going to be here. So they were kind enough to accommodate. And I did find a neat way to tie in. Well, I don't want to say neat, you know, 9-11 is tragic, but um, I'll share some of that with you as we go on in the episode. But what's hard about this medium, the podcast, radio too, and certainly even radio and TV interviews I do is you, 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 you can't, I mean, you're, you're talking to one person, you're talking on your phone. I've got captain here, thankfully, which honestly makes a big difference because there's some kind of interaction, but you're in an empty room alone. I can't necessarily feel you right now. This isn't a live medium like, uh, like Rush Limbaugh did when he said kind of during his last year of broadcasting, you know, I can feel you out there. And I believe he could feel the people listening to him. It's different. But, you know, this, you know, we record and then it gets uploaded quickly, but it's just different. And, uh, you know, it's an art. It's a craft that we're always honing here. But anyway, I also want to just remind you, I've got to get better at doing this for Captain because, you know, he he dedicates a lot of his time. Let, let me, let me in, intro this way so it's not just me telling a story that's apart from thematic. People always ask me, they asked me, and it's never enough, by the way, but they asked me after my speech to, what can I do? Everyone wants answers, right? Everyone who's concerned about the country, they want to be told what to do. What can I do? Well, everyone 
has some, some unique contribution to make to the country. And it's different for everyone. For me, uh, I mean, it's, and it's never enough. I, I'm trying to do everything I can as much as I can, whether it's writing, whether it's doing this podcast, whether it's my book that's coming out next month, right? I'm trying to alert people. And I, really, I think that's really the main task that everyone needs to take up on. Their, every single person, regardless of your financial situation or where you live or whatever, you are the response to the propaganda out there. You have to imagine that all these people in this country, I mean, they're looking for leadership. They're looking for information and truth. And it's not going to come from CNN if that's what they watch every day, right? So that's our role. Our role is to educate, to inform, to invigorate. We're supposed to keep up the tradition of America, to keep that alive, to keep the, the, the memory of the founding fathers, the patriots of 1776, as Lincoln called them, the revolutionaries, us of Lincoln, of our history, right? That's our job, right? We have all these advances in technology and so on and so forth. We have lighting and electricity and whatever. But oral tradition is still everything. It's everything. And you cannot replace the importance and the impact of one-on-one -on -one communication, or in my case, even yesterday, one on, you know, 50 or 60, however many people were there. So Captain like most people I know in this industry, he, 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 he does, I don't pay captain anything. I don't get paid either, by the way, right now. I'm not, I'm not opposed to taking money down the road if we decide to do that and earn a position to do that. Don't mistake me, nothing wrong with money. But I just want you to know that captain does this for me. And he's on the East Coast, so we usually record at 6.30. So he's up, 9, 9.30, recording, done, 10.30, 11. And, and God forbid there's technological issues and he's got to actually go to town on an episode like he did last week. And I get an email from him, you know, at 1.30 in the morning. But I just want you to know that because people ask me, what can they do? Why, why does my producer here and my friend, why, did, why does... Why does the captain do this? Because he loves the country, because he's passionate. He's getting nothing out of this, except the, the benefit right now, like I am, okay? And so I, I, just, I just want to bring that to your attention because he works like a dog. He doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have to do this. And one day, hopefully, you know, it pays off in, in spades financially as well. But, you know, I've been doing this two years podcast thing, and the audience has grown. It's several thousand people now. Now, in the grand scheme of podcasts, there's a lot of them out there. So, you know, you take everything with a grain of salt. And I don't know exact, the exact numbers, you know, the, the way it's calculated per se, but I know it's several thousand, it's growing, and it's done well. But, you know, Captain does this, and he runs uh, RightAmericaMedia.com, Ram TV, right? And I, I urge you, implore you to check out RightAmericaMedia.com. I mean, he posts these episodes there. Obviously, you can find my podcast that I've been doing for a long time, too. You can find it you know, through my, the Drew Allen show, but he puts that on his, and he's got a lot of other shows he does. So I just want you to know that. What can I do? What can I do? I don't know. The captain is somewhat technologically savvy. He's also a Air Force veteran and a pilot. And think about that encouragement. Now, we don't want to ever get captain in trouble here, but I just want you to think about this. You know, I mean, you, 
honestly, some, one of you or some of you listening could have been on a flight flown by the captain. It's highly probable, actually. It's, it's totally possible. And that's a patriot in that cockpit. That's somebody who's flying your plane that gets off and goes into his hotel room and he links up with Drew Allen and they do the Drew Allen show. I just think that's really neat. I think it's encouraging and inspiring. So, all right, let's hit it, huh? I got like eight clips today, Captain. You got all those. It's a lot. Uh, yesterday was 9-11, right? It, it, it was um, the greatest act, well, of terrorism on American soil in, in our history. 3,000 people approximately almost died on that day. And I will intro with something, I, the point I made in my speech. If you go, and, and I know there's conspiracy theories, some might very well be true about 9-11 and so on and so forth. That's not where I'm going with this. If that's what you're looking for, that's not where I'm headed. But the 9-11 Commission, right, they did a report after 9-11. And one of the observations made, right, they went through a whole list of warnings, right? I mean, going back to 1993, you know, this kind of Islamic jihad was building. And Al-Qaeda was also building. Osama bin Laden, you know, in the mid-90s, he was on people's radar. He was financing terrorism, and then he was finally leading terrorism. And our intelligence community knew about all of this. And in fact, if you recall, um, in 2000, I believe it was, as the Clinton administration was going out and the Bush administration was coming in, the USS Cole was hit. And it was by Al-Qaeda. I'm 99.9% sure it was actually Al-Qaeda who did it too. But we were hit. Yeah, it was Al-Qaeda. And 17 American U.S. service members were killed. And do you know what the U.S. is... Do you know what our response was? Zilch. We didn't do anything. We didn't react at all. And, you know... Just, you know, a week before 9-11 actually took place, you know, uh, people weren't taking the terrorist threat seriously. And so one of the conclusions in the 9-11 commission was actually, they, 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 they said imagination. That contributed to what happened. What they meant, they, what they went on to explain with imagination is our intelligence community, our government, those actually tasked with protecting us from such acts of violence and aggression, they, didn't, they couldn't imagine that that would happen. Now, they were ignoring it. You had to put your head in the sand. And here's the difference that I'll get into in a minute. It wasn't our responsibility to see that. Now, many Americans could see what happened to the US coal, USS Cole and see what was reported and understand that. But, but the point I made to this group yesterday was that 9-11 was shocking, but it should not have been a surprise. Because if you went back and looked at it, the signs were there. And so what I was urging people to do was to say, look, we don't want to be the generation that sees our posterity's future disappear. right? We don't want to be the generation that America fails right? on our watch. 
And I was imploring people, and this is what we have to do talking to people. We know that the Democrat Party is authoritarian. We understand that the indictments of Trump and the attempts to prevent him from even running for re-election, it's unprecedented in all of U.S. history. It's what they do in banana republics. We know that Joe Biden's corrupt. We know he's guilty of bribery. We know the Democrat Party committed treason even in 2016 with the Trump-Russia collusion coup, the quid pro quo when that failed, all to cover up the sins and crimes of Joe Biden and other Democrats. We saw that in 2020, the CIA, the FBI, the intelligence community, they colluded with the Biden campaign to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story, election interference. And now we have the third consecutive presidential election that they are interfering in. And we see what happens with the J6 prisoners. Enrique Tarrio, the once chairman of the Proud Boys organization, he's Afro-Cuban, by the way. That means he's black. Proud Boys is supposed to be some white supremacist organization, they tell us, but it's led by a black individual, or was. But Enrique Tarrio got 22 years in prison for seditious, seditious conspiracy. Enrique Tarrio wasn't even at the Capitol on J6. So we see what's happening in this country. And let's not let our imagination, right, our naivete, be the reason we lose this country. Does that make sense, Captain, more or less? All right, so Joe Biden, he just cannot help himself. He cannot help himself. He has to lie about everything. Everything. And I'll say it again. I got to get like Dr. Lieberman on here, one of my clients or something like that, you know, is a psychiatrist to explain this, this, this sociopathic lying and plagiarism. So cue up cut one, Captain. This is Joe Biden. I'll just play the clip, Captain, actually. Go ahead. Browns are in New York. And I remember standing there the next day and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating because the way you could, from where you could stand. So he wasn't actually, so he, he's the first president since 9-11 that wasn't actually at Ground Zero on 9-11 to commemorate what took place and to remember it, right? And so he broke with tradition. And the Democrats do what they always do. They're going to defend anything Biden does. And did you hear this excuse, Captain? I think I think it was um, my man, uh, the Boy Scout. The Boy Scout. <laughs> who's, the, who's, the, who's the Fox News reporter, Captain? I, I, I don't, my brain just, you know... Um, Ducey, Peter Ducey. Peter, I got it, yeah. So Peter Ducey uh, was told by the administration, a spokesperson, well, you know, 22 years after Pearl Harbor, we weren't going to Pearl Harbor to commemorate it. Presidents weren't. I mean, how stupid. It was never a tradition. It never started with Pearl Harbor. Nobody ever went to Pearl Harbor to commemorate, really. It wasn't something that happened. This is different. But he wasn't there the day after 9-11. He was in Washington, D.C. So why does he feel the need to do this? It's just crazy. It's crazy. 
I mean, this is the kind of thing if Donald Trump had ever said it, you know, that we got to we got to destroy the president. We got to end the presidency right now. He's such a bad person. So here's cue up cut two. This is John Kirby. He was on when I see the clip, I'll, I'll remember. But he was on defending Biden. And it's just it's amazing. You, you, this just lays out everything because Joe Biden, as you'll hear, he didn't just lie about being there on 9-11. He actually plagiarized, right? He talks about it was like staring into the gates of hell. Well, you'll find out in a second whose words those were, and they weren't Joe Biden's. Go ahead, Captain. Cut to. Why did he say that he was there the next day? Because he wasn't there the next day. Well, he went uh, about a week or so after the attacks with other members of Congress to see Ground Zero for himself and have a chance to talk and thank the first responders. He just attributed uh, the visit a little earlier uh, in the remarks than what had actually occurred. But he was there. He did go to Ground Zero. So that was, that was a mistake. He just didn't he attributed know. he attributed the visit to a, a time which was actually turned out to be about a, a week after the attack. Okay, Hillary Clinton was there the day after, and she said that it looked like uh, that it looked like the gates of hell. I cannot imagine anything that looked more like the gates of hell. Uh, the president used those same words. Is just a, a coincidence? Because it looked like the gates of hell. He, did, he described it in the way that he he remembered it. It looked like the gates of hell, and I think anybody uh, that saw the images that day would have to agree that that's exactly what it looked like. Now, you understand that this meets the definition of propaganda, right? So this is like everything Joe Biden does, right? So he says the next day he was there at 9-11. And John Kirby says, well, you know, he did go like a couple weeks later. It's a complete lie, but they justify it. They make excuses for it. It's like me being like, I don't know, like, yeah, I was, uh, I was at the Super Bowl last year. I saw the uh, I saw the victory, but I wasn't. But you know, I was watching on my TV at home, so I felt like maybe I was there. And I watched the game not on the day, but I I I, I TV'd it, you know. And two weeks after the game, I watched it, but I was at the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, no, Drew, he 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 watched it technically. You know, this is this is what they do. It's and this is the whole thing with the the Biden family corruption. He is the most crooked politician that we have definitive proof of in American history. But we're just being told none of it happened. And conversely, Donald Trump hasn't done anything wrong to be indicted over. He hasn't committed any crimes, and we're just being told that he committed crimes. You know, we're really living in, maybe this will be what the show is called today. I don't name him beforehand. Um, we're all kind of living in the Truman Show. I, it, all of us are living in the Truman Show. You remember that with Jim Carrey? He didn't know. He thought it was real. He thought everything was real, but it was all a lie. He was being watched. It was like reality TV, except he wasn't in on it. And that's what's going on. You know, actually, cue up... Cue up cut four. We're going to skip one for a second, Captain. Cue up cut four. The world is burning around us, right? The sky's falling. And, you know, we're, we're being told. There's, it's like, I don't know. If, if I was to just imagine something, it's like I'm just sitting in a room 
the room is, the, you know, the curtains are on fire and I can see the, the wood around me starting to catch fire and then break and crumble down around me. And all the while, there's just like elevator music or, or jazz playing in the background to tell me that that's okay. And the reason I, I paint that picture is because I'm going to play this clip of Joe Biden in Vietnam. And his handlers, of course, run the show. They actually shut him down, stop the interview, take him off stage. And I want you to listen to the music playing as we're supposed to believe that this guy is leading America. Go ahead, Captain. We talked about we talked about at the conference overall. We talked about stability. We talked about making sure that the third world, the uh, excuse me, third world, the uh, the the, uh, the southern hemisphere had access to change. It had access. We, it wasn't confrontational at all. You came up with any thank, thank you, everybody. This ends thank, the count press thank conference. You. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. with every person I've met with. Mr. President, are you worried about your son being indicted, Mr. President? It's, it's like America's new theme song. Am I wrong, Captain? Is that not correct? It's like, how, this cannot be real life. Like, this cannot be our country right now. It's just, and honestly, you know what? And we could have a little fun doing it, and it would actually do a lot to save the country. Just ridiculing anybody who voted for this guy. I mean, to find out that somebody, I mean, just play that clip and play that song really loud when it comes up. Like, you voted for this guy. Are you a lunatic? Are you, have you lost your marbles? Cue up cut three. You know, this is this is the guy, uh, Joe Biden, I mean, <laughs> that Joe Scarborough said was just so much smarter and more experienced than Donald Trump. It's just nuts. So Biden is a complete idiot. And when you think he can't get dumber... He exceeds your expectations. So here's Joe Biden. No, now I guess I should preface just so. So you know the phrase "Good morning Vietnam," right? You know where that comes from. Okay. So now I forgot the actor's name. Robin Williams, right? It's Robin Williams says that. And Joe Biden, go ahead and play the cut. You'll know. You'll know immediately. It is easy, isn't it? It's around the world in five days. It's interesting. Well, uh, you know, there's that one of my staff members said, remember the famous song, you know, Good Morning Vietnam? Well, good evening, Vietnam. Uh, and uh, good morning. Oh, yes, the famous song, don't you know? I mean, it's just, 
one thing after another. Um, all right, I want to move on from Joe Biden because honestly, I can't take it anymore. Oatmeal brain. McCarthy announced that he was going to proceed with the impeachment inquiry. But he's not really proceeding with the impeachment inquiry. I, Captain, I don't know. How do you feel about McCarthy right now? Like on a scale of one to ten. Ten being no hope whatsoever. Or support. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, where, where are you? Okay, ten is McCarthy's the devil. And he's, he's going to sabotage us. That's 10. One is like, McCarthy's amazing, and he's our savior. Where are you on? You're a 10. He's the devil. Yeah. I think, I, I think, I'm, I think I'm there, too. I think I'm there, too. Yeah, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, and there's plenty that I'll, I can talk about that's optimistic. This is not one of those optimistic things with him. You get the feeling, though, Captain, that... There's really, even for people that are now supporting this impeachment, like McCarthy now, there's no enthusiasm behind it. You know, it's like, they don't really care. They're just feeling a little bit of fire from the base. And I just, I'm going to break this down to you and give you just the straight and honest truth about this. Because I, look, there's nothing worse I'll say it this way. I'm a Cowboys fan, right? And we did win 40-0 last night, by the way. Woo-wee. But I still have tempered expectations because I know what the Cowboys do every single year, right? Every year they tell us they're going to win the Super Bowl. It's a joke. Not even close. So I'm happy about last night's win. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Giants, goodness gracious. They played in New York. It rained, but... It affected both teams. New York deals with that stuff plenty, obviously, with the inclement weather. They're not, they're not new to it. I mean, they just got slaughtered. I mean, New York, the New York Giants, they look like, I don't know, like a high school football team. It was crazy. So my point is, as a Cowboys fan who's let down every year and lied to, I, I, I just want to set the expectations. I don't want you to expect something and then to irrationally react later. You know, we get, we got we to gotta maintain a level of cool-headedness, have a little cool, calculated reason here because this is going to be a long fight we're engaged in. All right? And we've got to make strategic decisions. And one of those strategic decisions that I'll get into later is everyone should be supporting Trump right now. That's strategic. It doesn't matter if you really love him or not. Strategically, the, the Democrats are in disarray. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. They, they are grasping at straws. They're very concerned, actually, about this impeachment stuff. And they're not very unified. More and more people are trying to throw their hat in the ring. Uh, people are really uncomfortable with the thought of Joe Biden running for re-election now. And what we should be doing while they are arguing amongst themselves about their electoral chances and so on and so forth, apart from cheating, forget that for me. We can't talk about that every single time. But we, we have the opportunity to be unified and to get our message out there and build momentum now. That's strategic, right? That's what I'm talking about. That, that's, what, that's what somebody that just wants to win, who's looking at the chessboard and saying, how do I win? 
That's how we do it. You support Trump. You know, he's like, oh, maybe we should go with Nikki Haley now. Are you, are you crazy? Sorry, if you love Nikki Haley. Um, all right. So this impeachment inquiry, I'm just going to explain it again. I've got new listeners every week. Because the way government works is confusing. It's not straightforward. A lot of people don't know this. And why, why, why would they? Unless you're a nerd like me and this is what you do for a living. So the way the impeachment process works, all right, you're supposed to have a vote in the House for an impeachment inquiry to give the green light for the inquiry. That's kind of a preliminary investigation to then say, okay, now let's vote on the articles of impeachment. So there's, you understand there's two steps that are supposed to take place before this ever goes to the Senate. You have a vote on the House for the impeachment inquiry, and then you draft the articles of impeachment, and then you vote again to send those articles of impeachment to the Senate. And that's when you can say the president has been impeached. And then in the Senate, you have the trial, and that's where the guilt or innocence is determined regarding the president, all right? That's important to know because what McCarthy's doing now is he's having the different committees. There was a big argument a week ago, two weeks ago, because when Nancy Pelosi uh, drafted and sent those articles of impeachment over the quid pro quo phone call to the Senate, right, about Trump's quid pro quo phone call, When she did that, she skipped the step of the impeachment inquiry. So she didn't vote on the House floor for the impeachment inquiry. She circumvented it, and she just used committees to do the work. And the question was, Speaker McCarthy, are you going to be like Pelosi and circumvent the vote on the floor for the inquiry like she did? Or are you going to obey the long-standing rules? And so what he's doing right now, he's not doing what Pelosi's doing per se. He's going to have the committees do this impeachment inquiry. And then he plans on having a vote on the impeachment inquiry. And what this means is we don't have the votes. I want to be very serious with you right now. We have the majority in the House. And what this means, what you can take from what's happening right now is that the Republicans in the House, there are enough of them that don't support impeaching Joe Biden. So that's why this isn't going to the House floor for a vote. This is why McCarthy is having the committees start this impeachment inquiry because he needs time to convince House Republicans to get on board with it. And this is a senator, a West Virginia Republican. But this, I guarantee you, is the sentiment felt from the traitors in our party that are in the House. She says, we got so many things we need to be focusing on. She was asked about impeaching Biden, right? We, We got so many things we need to be focusing on. I don't see the glaring evidence that says we need to move forward. I didn't see it in the Trump case and voted against it. I don't see it in the... This is not 
the same thing as Donald Trump. This Senator Shelley Moore Capito, a West Virginia Republican, is a fraud. And actually, I'm going to play, I'm going to come back to this and get into the impeachment stuff so you understand more than any other audience what's going on. And you can relay this information to people around you. All right. When you get into, and here's the thing, folks, what can I do to save the country? Start talking about politics. Talk about politics anywhere and everywhere. I know it used to not be polite or whatever else, but the country's at stake. For goodness sakes, talk about politics. Don't pretend that this isn't happening. Don't assume that other people don't care or don't know or do know. I mean, just, am I wrong? We have to talk about this stuff. We have to be informed about this stuff. So a Republican representative, Scott Perry, uh, a House uh, member, he was had a press conference outside the Capitol, and the journalist is re- repeating this crap like this Republican Shelley Moore who says, we don't have any evidence. I don't see the evidence. Don't see the evidence. Don't see it. You don't want to see it. I, so this is a longer clip. I, honestly, it might be three minutes. It, it should be entertaining enough. It's not me. I get it, you know. So I'll miss you for three minutes or two minutes or whatever it is. But I want you to listen to Scott Perry and then the lawyers answer this question. Because I think they do it brilliantly. And the only time I really substitute someone else for me explaining is when I truly believe that I can't do it better. So props to Representative Scott Perry for blowing my socks off with his response to this reporter when when they ask him, you know, where's the evidence? Go ahead, Captain. Yes, ma'am. So, what actual evidence do you have as opposed to allegations to show to the American public that would merit an actual impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden and prove that today isn't just about some of you... Oh, I don't know. ...McCarthy for the sake of enacting political revenge... Uh, this isn't about political Trump. revenge. We have the bank accounts. We can see... Ma'am, you can see that the homes that the Bidens own can't be afforded on a, on a congressional or Senate salary. You also understand that it's not normal for family members to receive millions of dollars from overseas interests. Those things aren't normal. That's not normal to have 20 shell, shell country, companies. These things are not normal, and it alludes to not only just widespread corruption, but money laundering, if not influence peddling itself. And we also have the president, the vice president at the time on record saying that the prosecutor was fired. Well, son of a bitch, the prosecutor was fired, right? Because the prosecutor was going after the, the company that his son was working on. That's what we have. If you can't see that, if you are, if you are that blunt, look, I'll turn it over to the attorneys. People can't see that. They think it's political revenge. It's because you don't report on it. We're reporting on it today. I'm not sure how you know what the American people think, but here's what they might wonder. Actually, if you're a federal prosecutor, you would be asking yourself, how can there not have been an indictment for a FARA violation against Hunter Biden? How can there possibly... My understanding and discussions with staff have confirmed my impulse that this would be very much the the basis of a foreign of a um, a, a foreign corrupt practices act investigation, uh, given the circumstances that we know. The question is, you know, it's funny. After we come out of the events of 
for that John Durham, for example, testified to to our committees about how investigations proceeded through our investigative agencies without proper predication. It's not that you have to prove the case. It's not that you understand to this point, there's not been a single subpoena to a Hunter Biden bank account or a Joe Biden bank account or any other Biden family member's bank account. Because until an impeachment until an impeachment inquiry commences, that's not a jurisdictional possibility. Well, it would be stretching jurisdiction to do that. But there's ample predication at this point in time based on that very unusual set of circumstances, which is for no apparent payment for expertise or services rendered. Biden family members writ large received over $20 million. That we know now, of. That we know of. It is very simple for someone just to insist there's an absence of evidence. <laughs> but you, if you can look in the face of that and contend that, that's, you know, anyone has a right to their opinion. What they can't do is change the fact. And the thing is, you listening, myself, the captain, everything he just said probably isn't a surprise to us. It's not news to us. We know this information. But you hear the reporter. What does she have to say? Well, Americans think this is political revenge. You see, this is the counter narrative they've built to defend themselves and insulate themselves from reality. So you have mountains of evidence, the kind of evidence they dreamed of having on Trump when they tried to falsely prove that he was guilty of colluding with a Kremlin to steal the 2016 election. They didn't have a shred of evidence. We have all the evidence in the world. And their only story is Republicans are seeking political revenge. So of course nobody in the Democrat Party, of course no Democrat voter thinks this is that. They just say, yeah, this, I mean, and imagine this. I mean, this, this is why it's like we live in two realities. The Democrats don't view the Trump-Russia collusion, bullcrap, or quid pro quo, or the J6 impeachment, the second, they don't view that as political revenge. They view that as just. And so in their minds, oh yeah, everything that happened to Trump, yeah, that was, that was legitimate. But now, now, now the Republicans, they want political revenge. It's crazy. So this is, this is, this is where we're at. So, and he makes a great point at the end there. We have had no subpoenas. All of this information that we have, I mean, all of these hundreds of smoking guns at this point, it's just begging us to go and close the case. And so that's why this impeachment inquiry is important because they will have the ability, the jurisdiction, hopefully, to actually clean this thing up and get what's necessary. Because, I mean, think about how absurd and how embarrassing and humiliating it is for the Democrat Party right now and these media talking heads on the left, these propagandists. Their only defense of Biden now is they don't have proof that Biden personally got money from Hunter Biden's business dealings. And think about where they were not long ago when they said that Joe Biden never even talked to his son about his business dealings. They swore to us. Joe Biden didn't even know 
didn't even know that Hunter Biden, you know, was doing business in Ukraine with Burisma, for example, or China or any of these places. Now we know that he was on a phone call more than 20 times with these individual business associates. And so now they don't even acknowledge that they lied to us about everything before. Now they just say, well, you don't have the evidence that he actually personally enriched himself. And this guy's saying, you can't understand that he lives in these multi-million dollar homes that he can't afford on a salary of a, a bureaucrat in Washington, D.C., of an elected official, a senator, whatever. You don't understand he's got 20 shell companies? You think that's normal? Crazy. Crazy. Joe Biden is scum is a scumbag, a bottom feeder, he has not a shred of integrity in his body. He's a horrible human being. I don't know what happened in his life. I don't know what, what, what went wrong. I don't care at this point. And I don't care if he's old and has dementia. Stick him in jail. Make him pay the price. I'm tired of this. It's not the same thing. Everybody wants to sit here and say, well, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but Trump did it. No, we, these are not the same situations. There is nothing similar about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Well, they're both old. No, they're, yeah. And you know, I, I'm not into this thing that a lot of people my age, young people are into right now. We need to have age limit. No, we don't need age limits. We don't need to have age. That's not the problem. The problem is the fact that we allow this to happen. We don't have any discretion. Not all 80-year-olds are the same. One of the things I was going to point out too, Captain, I, I um, so I spoke for an hour. I mean, you know, I do this show every, you know, every week with you. And it takes a lot of energy. It does. I'll be honest with you. And there are times before the show, you know, with the baby especially. You know, I don't, you know, we're consummate professionals here. I, I, don't, I don't air the dirty laundry. There's no dirty laundry. But, you know, before the show, C Captain and I talk for a few minutes before we get going. And, you know, how are you doing? How's your day? What's going on? And, you know, there have been, been times where I, I tell them, man, I'm like, I am beat, man. I can't even see straight. I'm so, I'm just excited, especially when the baby was really little. And then we get on, we do the show, right? But my point is just to say, as a human being, as someone who can talk for a long period of time, as I did yesterday and I'm doing right now, I know what it takes. And I can be honest with you and say that I'm not superhuman. It drains me. I'm tired when I finish this episode, okay? And I say that because Joe Biden can't even deliver a five-minute teleprompter speech. And people want to say, oh, we need age limits because Donald Trump's old too. Donald Trump, not long ago, and he's still doing it, but remember during the campaign, he was doing two or three of those, uh, well, you know, there's, there's my dad brain speeches, but he was doing those uh, campaign stops or whatever. Those rallies, right? He's doing these rallies. Two or three a day. And he'd sit there and talk in the rain and the sun for an hour. We're not talking about the same thing. And 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 I'm I'm not I'm not dumping on Trump. Anymore. I mean, if he if he does something crazy, yeah, sure, I'll address it. But you know, we need to start focusing on the talent that this man has, the once in a lifetime, even talent that is Donald Trump. I was tired yesterday after I spoke for an hour to 60 people. 
Donald Trump does that two or three times in a day to crowds of tens of thousands or a thousand or, you know, thousands of people. That's a special man. And we don't talk about that stuff enough. That's not the average person and the average quote unquote person shouldn't be running for office anymore. It should be like the best amongst us. But I mean, you've got Joe Biden, who's a serial grifter, a corrupt politician who's made his fortune from selling out his country to the highest bidder, foreign enemies. And you have Donald Trump, who's a billionaire and he's self-made. He's run things. He's done things. And we have two records. Who is the better CEO of America, if you will? Was it Donald Trump? Or is Joe Biden doing a better job? Bewildering. I bring this up every now and then, Captain. Politics is the only profession in the world where you can get reelected and have your success measured by your intentions rather than your results. So yeah, the economy's a total failure. Yeah, America's not safe. Yeah, we've got 10 million illegals coming across the border. Illegals murdering people. Sure, sure. But, you know, but Biden's a Democrat, so we'll give him a pass and give him a chance again. No, no. I want cold, hard, empirical evidence. And you got to be a stupid, stupid person if it comes down to Trump versus Biden in 2024 to go with Biden. You got to be a stupid person. All right. Um, so anyway, look, uh, McCarthy, yes, uh, we got this impeachment inquiry going on. But like I said, it means we don't have the votes. Otherwise, he would have brought it to the House for a vote. And they're focused on the debt ceiling now, right? I told you last time, last week, September 30th, the end of this month, is the big showdown, the big day. They're going to ultimately sign a continuing resolution. They don't have any other options at this point. But there's no way they can come to an agreement, right? And you, you, you need to remember, too. These funding bills, they don't come out of the Senate. They originate in the House. So we own the House, right? We have the majority in the House. So the House, Republicans, have to come to an agreement with these Senate Democrats. Is there anything they can agree on? No. Is there anything I agree with? with Demo- No, there's not. There's not. Do I want to keep the border open? No. Hell no. Democrats don't want to lower spending. They don't want any fiscal responsibility whatsoever. They want to spend infinite money to Ukraine. I mean, there's not an agreement because one party's goal is to destroy America and another party with some members that don't support it. But ideologically, we want to defend America and put America first. It's the same situation we were in with regards to slavery in the 19th century. You cannot... There is no middle ground. Okay, let's have some states that are slave states and some states. No, Abraham Lincoln understood very clearly and very astutely that the Democrats, the Confederacy, they weren't going to stop. They weren't going to stop. That ideology of slavery was going to push and push and push. It was always going to be a conflict in this country, and it was going to push until it consumed the whole country. Or otherwise, every state became free. That's how it was going to work. You can't have a middle ground. It's the same thing today. There's no middle ground between freedom and tyranny. So, anyway, look, there's hope. There's, there's reason to be optimistic, uh, but I'm just telling you the problem right now is people like this Republican Senator Shelley Moore Capito, they don't think it's important. They don't, this is say, Chris Christie. 
Uh, I don't see any evidence. Horrible people. All right, so I want to tell you what's going on with um, the Democrats' strategy here. Uh, I can say this to you with like 99.9% .9 certainty. Yes, there's conversation about someone replacing Joe Biden, right? Whether it's Newsom or Michelle Obama or AOC or any of these people. You have to understand that the Democrats don't have certainty right now because the A plan for the Democrats is to get Joe Biden across the finish line and deal with it after the election happens, right? Just get him in there again, and then they can do what they need to do. That's, that's their, that, that is the best strategy for them, to be honest. It's, it's, it's not a good look. It's difficult to say, okay, well, now he's not running anymore, and we're going to build up the campaign for somebody else. That, that's not good politics. That's not a good political strategy, right? So you've noticed that Kamala Harris is going out there more and more. She was the one on the ground at the 9-11 memorial in, in New York City. She was just on Face the Nation. And what the Democrats are trying to do for the American people, to the American people, one of the big problems even for Democrats is they don't really like Joe Biden and they also don't like Kamala Harris. They know that Joe Biden's not competent, but they also don't believe that Kamala Harris is competent. There's too much evidence every time she opens her mouth of her arguably being dumber than the president. So nobody believes she's presidential. Nobody believes she's ready, right? She was the czar of the border. She was the czar of this, the czar of that. And what did she do? Nothing. Zilch. She's a loser. She's a loser. Like the president, like her boss. And so what they're trying to do is alleviate some fears in the backs of people's minds to convince them that, okay, yeah, we know Democrats believe that Joe Biden's too old. They don't like him. They don't want him to run. They don't think he's capable. They think he's doesn't have the mental capacity, that he doesn't have the physical capacity. So then we have Kamala Harris. So every Democrat, every voter understands that if Joe Biden is reelected, it's likely, it's probable that he will not finish the next four terms. That, sorry, the next four years, the next term. And so what they're trying to do is put Kamala out there and put it in people's minds that she's ready to take over, right? They're trying to shore that up. This is why this is happening, but she's not capable of giving a good performance. I've never seen anybody, Captain, like Kamala Harris. And I don't mean that in a complimentary way. I've never seen somebody less genuine. I've never seen someone... I mean, she seems constipated at all times. She's so uncomfortable. She's so stiff. I, I, I can't even pinpoint a personality on her. Like, there's no charm. There's no evidence of a human being in there, to be honest. It's like this robot that they tried to program to become human, and they failed. So, yeah, queue up. This is her on Face the Nation. Uh, okay. You've noticed this, too. You've seen uh, Jen Psaki and other Democrats try and falsely claim that Democrats aren't radical pro-infanticide, a pro-infanticide party. Now, it's like, it's like the defund the police. It became unpopular. People realized how insane and, and, and far left and crazy it was. And so the Democrats tried to say, that's not us. We never called for defunding the police. Of course, there's, there's like an hour of video you could play of Democrats calling for defunding the police. But before the midterms, they tried to blame Republicans, right? Republicans are the defund the police party. No, we're not. We're the defund the FBI 
party, though. So anyway, Kamala Harris, I want you to listen to this clip. It's like a minute long. She's asked about the abortion question. When do you support? I mean, you're running for office. You could be the next president of the United States. Don't the American people have the right to understand your position on abortion? Go ahead and play cut six, Captain. So what what is it that you believe? I mean, what week of pregnancy should abortion access be cut off? We need to restore the protections of Roe versus Wade. Which We're was, not trying to do something new. Well, that There's, was nebulous because it was about viability, which could be anywhere between 20 to 24 weeks. And But it, so, no, 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 no. Let, that's, let, that let, was me, in let me be very clear. The Women's Health Protection Act that let the White me be, House also Let me endorsed. be very clear. From day one, the president has been clear. I have been clear. We need to put back the protections that are in Roe v. Wade into law. Since the Supreme Court took it, Congress has the power and ability to pass legislation to put those protections back in law, and Joe Biden will sign that bill. So that is what we want. But does it need to be specific in terms of defining and where that guarantee goes up to and where it does not, at which week of pregnancy? We need to put back in place the protections of Roe versus Wade. You we know are why not, I'm asking you this I, question, but though. Because we're not trying to, but we're not trying to do anything that did not exist before June of last year. We well, are saying it wasn't no, no, crafted but, into law, and that's why I'm asking you for the specifics there. Because Republicans say the lack of a precise date in cutting it off. You know this. They say that allows Democrats to perform abortions up until you know, birth, which is ridiculous, which is statistically which is, not accurate. And, and it's ridiculous. And it's a that. mischaracterization so, of the point. No, the point but, is, but the do point you need is to be more precise? To, I am being precise. We need to put into law the protections of Roe versus Wade. My goodness. Kamala Harris is one of the dumbest people in America. I'm very serious. There is nothing happening in her skull. Uh, I mean, she cannot complete an interview. She doesn't have any skill whatsoever. She's not a likable person. She's not charming. She doesn't know how to deflect. I mean, I don't understand how she got, I mean, <clears throat> cover your kid's ears maybe in the car. She uh, <clears throat> blew, um, <clears throat> you know, the former mayor of San Francisco Willie Brown. I mean, that's how she got anywhere, uh, you know, but, but it's just crazy. So they're trying to gaslight us again. Democrats do support infanticide. They don't want any restrictions on abortion whatsoever. That is the position of the party. That is their position. Well, we, we want to go Roe v. Roe v. We just want to go back to pre- No, that's not what anybody's calling for going back pre-Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade just- didn't even address the specificity either, for the most part. I mean, what a mess that, that ruling was anyway, Roe v. Wade, originally. But here you have her saying, we want to pass a law. I mean, the whole point of that Supreme Court case was that it's a state's rights issue. So theoretically, if you live in California, and they're, they're basically doing this anyway, and you support infanticide, you can have it. The Supreme Court ruling had nothing to do with that. It didn't say you can't have abortion. 
It said that states have a right to determine their own laws. So if you want to totally abolish abortion in every form, you have the right to do that in a state. But for some reason, Democrats are obsessed with killing babies. They hate babies. They hate living human beings. Now, cue up cut um, seven. Unbeknownst to Kamala Harris here, she admits, she admits that global warming and climate change is a hoax. I want you to listen carefully. Go ahead, Captain. You know, my strategy is working despite the numbers being up. Overall, we are seeing progress, but there is, we're not going to have a constant, there are going to be fluctuations. That is normal, just like the weather fluctuates and, and circumstances fluctuate, such as elections in those regions and what that might mean. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we keep our foot off the gas. We have to stay focused and understand there has to be a long-term strategy as well as a short-term strategy. Um, and, and here's, so was it here's too the early bottom. to say that the strategy was working when the numbers went down? My point is that focusing on root causes mm-hmm. and doing the work that we have been doing to bring U.S. investment into those countries in a way that is supportive of their economies and supportive of fighting corruption actually works. Now, if you're confused, that was partially intentional. I didn't give you the, the information ahead of time because I wanted to make a point. Did anyone understand anything? That, did she say anything? Did she actually make a single point? She did not. She was asked about the border. She was asked about the surge at the border. And she says, overall, we are seeing progress, but there is, we're not going to have a constant. There are going to be fluctuations. Because she was asked specifically, well, you know, you guys were saying the numbers were down, but now the numbers are back up. Can you explain that? Is that success at the border or your policy? How can you say your policies are working when now they're not working, right? And she says, well, that's normal, just like the weather fluctuates. And that's what I'm telling you. I mean, can you imagine being somebody who believes that man is responsible for global warming, for, cl- for all climate change, hurricanes, everything? You believe this. You go on TV and you say this. Climate change is man-made. The weather is changing because of us. We are the variable. We're responsible for every hurricane, every tornado, every hot day, every cold day, even every nice day, every flood, every every drop of rain, that's caused by us. So if you believe that in your heart of hearts, right? If you are honest and serious about making that claim that we're responsible for the weather changes, how can you in an, inter- in, in an interview like Kamala Harris right now relate the fluctuation at the border in terms of numbers to weather saying it's normal just like the weather fluctuates am i making my point here is this making sense this is a small thing but to me it was glaring and jumped out at me it's normal that the weather fluctuates really really because that's not what you ever say but now it's normal okay well call it off Call it off. Someone remember this clip. Remember on Face the Nation when she said the weather fluctuation is normal because, you know, tomorrow she'll be saying the opposite. All right, let's uh, let's let's do cut eight here. 
So MSNBC is, yes, it's propaganda, but they're devoted to the destruction and annihilation of America. This is a joke of an organization. And you have uh, a transgender individual. It's a man. It's a man who grew his hair out and put on like some kind of effeminate clothes. That's it, though. That's it. So this man with long hair that claims to be a woman is invited onto MSNBC as a hero. Now, to give you some background just quickly, this individual, uh, another first, a very historic figure here, this individual, what, what's his name? Uh, da, 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 Langford, Artemis. Artemis Langford is the person you're going to hear interviewed. This is the first, let's see, how do I say this? How do I say this exactly? Langford, this man that you're going to hear from, was inducted into the Kappa Kappa Gamma, the female sorority, in 2022. And the reports noted that Kappa Kappa Gamma was the first sorority in the University of Wyoming's history to accept an open transgender student into the ranks. That's right. So congratulations, University of Wyoming. The girls in Kappa Kappa Gamma decided they would let a man into their sorority. And there was a lawsuit, by the way. The Some girls in the sorority wanted uh, you know, this to stop. They wanted the courts to step in. And the courts don't really have the power to do it. I mean, if you're stupid and you're perverted and you are, you're at a college and you want to ruin your sorority by letting some fat man in, I mean, you, I'm, look, I mean, you know, this is where I'm just, uh, you know, I wish that weren't true, but that's, that's how things work. I mean, the problem is we live in a society where people would allow that to take place. I mean, that's the issue. You cannot use courts and laws to solve all issues of morality, right? So this fat, fat boy who is in the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority, he was caught by the girls peeping. You notice how all of these transgender individuals, Captain, they don't change their sexual appetites. So you have a man who grows his hair out and joins a sorority. He identifies as a female but he's still attracted to females. And one of the girls in the sorority reported in the court documents that at least on one occasion, he had a, um, uh, an insurrection in his pants while peeping. So anyway, go, but, but MSNBC, this is a hero. The MSNBC does not bring on the sorority girls who have a problem with this. They only bring on this mentally ill man. Go ahead, Captain, play it. It takes a very brave and unique person to do this, to be a first in a situation like this, and then to continue on. I want people to know that everything that they've experienced, that I'm certainly not the first trans person to ever be attacked by elements in the media. I want people to know that it's never okay for that kind of scrutiny on a person just because of their identity, just because I'm trans. Every day that they can be themselves yeah. is a good day for us all. 
So that creep is in a female sorority, and they did this to themselves, I'll say again. But this freak and pervert is living with women and watching them, peeping on them, getting insurrections in his pants while he watches them, I don't know, in intimate moments is what they said in the court documents. There's no such thing as trans. I am sick of pretending like this is a thing. There is a man and a woman. There's boys and girls. There's male and female. That's it. That's the, that's the only two sexes, the only two genders. Now, if you want to put yourself in this trans category and you're mentally in, it is a mental illness. Oh, Drew, that's so cruel. No, no. That person over there is an alcoholic. Oh, Drew, you're so mean. I mean, I'm just stating a fact. Transgenderism is a mental illness that should not be encouraged. And I've said it a hundred times, you know, if somebody wants and they're, you know, 21 years or older and they want to go drink themselves to death, that is their right. But I don't have to employ that person. I don't have to tell that person how wonderful they are. I'm not a monster for actually wanting to get them off the bottle. And I'm not the monster sitting here saying this person needs help. This is so sick. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, oh, this person's so, they're not brave. They need help. They need help. And you know, I want to read something real quick. I've gone over here a couple minutes here, but uh, this is what the girl said about him. Langford states that he's transgender and that he self-identifies as a woman. His behavior, however, does not reflect a man living as a woman let alone a man attempting to consistently live as a woman. Other than occasionally wearing women's clothing, Langford makes little effort to resemble a woman. He has not undergone treatments to create a more feminine appearance, such as female hormones, feminization surgery, or laser hair removal. Plaintiffs often observe Langford with a facial hair one would expect on a man who either did not shave that morning or whose facial hair has regrown by the evening. We are encouraging this in society. This person knows that they can get attention. They get to go on MSNBC now. And this person should be ashamed to go out in public looking like that. I'm, I'm sorry, it's true. I mean, if, you can, if we can sit here and it's fair to criticize young, boy, young men who are showing their butts hanging out of their pants, which is real, we can do that. It's, it's stupid. You shouldn't dress like that. We can certainly criticize a man growing his hair out and pretending to be a woman. I mean, we have to establish societal norms. There have to be guardrails and parameters. It's not everything goes. People can do what they want to do outside of those parameters, but we don't have to sit here and coddle them. I mean, I can't, can you imagine, Captain? You got, you got boys only, right? You don't have any girls? Oh, you got two and two. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, can you imagine, Captain, if your daughter, either one of them, was in a sorority and this guy is in the house living with your daughter and you find out he's peeping on your daughter? Yes, exactly. Second Amendment, baby. Me too. So, anyway, I'm just, I'm just sick of this. Um, look, I, I, we're probably, you know, the government shutdown thing is going to be talked about everywhere this month. And I personally, 
I do hope and wish the government would shut down. And I don't care how long it shuts down for. Now, the big lie you have to remember or recognize that is told every single time is that we can't survive like this. People are going to be hurt. The only thing that's shut down are quote-unquote non-essential services. So Social Security gets paid. All those things that they claim don't happen, they still get paid out. And do you know why I support and hope this government shuts down for as long as possible? More, more than even in the past. Because this government shut us down and said it was for our own good. This government told us we couldn't go to work. This government shut down the private sector and abused us. And we survived, didn't we? It, it hurt the economy, but they didn't have any concerns, did they, about our families, our futures, our businesses? They didn't have any concerns about the education of our kids? No, it was for our well-being. They shut us down. So why can't they be shut down? So yeah, I hope they shut down. All right. Well, you know, I didn't have time to get to this other story. I'll just briefly, as I close out here, You'll hear about this everywhere. People are talking about it. It's a big story. Um, you had these officers on the CIA's COVID discovery team. All right, this is back, right, during the pandemic, early on. And they concluded that the coronavirus originated from a lab in Wuhan, China. But they changed their positions after receiving a monetary incentive. A senior-level CIA agent told Congress. Have you heard this yet, Captain? Yeah, so you've got a CIA whistleblower that came forward. And the CIA, right, they're the intelligence community. They concluded that the, the coronavirus, which we know, now, now they admit it. Yeah, it did. No, surprise, surprise, it wasn't from bat soup. You know, it came from the Wuhan lab of virology, which was actually making coronaviruses that Dr. Fauci was funding. So I just, this should make, I, I, you know, I don't, I didn't intend to make your blood boil at the end, but you should get mad about this. People should still be mad about what they did to us, by the way. They're still lying to us. So why would, why would members of the CIA's COVID discovery team get paid to lie about the origins of COVID, huh? Why do you think that would happen? It's because we freaking made the virus, that's why. It's because the U.S. government was behind the creation of COVID-19 in partnership with the Communist Chinese, but it was our research. We did it. This was Fauci's doing. They knew this COVID-19 virus that came out of that lab was ours. Because they funded it. And they used the Department of Defense and DARPA, more than likely, were also involved. So, it's not so much. I, you know, and that's, this raises a ton of questions, right? Because what did COVID do? It wrecked our economy. And before the economy was wrecked, when it was booming, even the left-wing media was saying, Trump's not beatable. Because the economy's booming. His economy's not going to, we cannot take him down with the economy doing this well. And so if you start to ask the questions, there's some interesting conclusions that we could reach. If it was our virus that we knew was there, that we paid for, 
Did it just happen to escape the lab? Did it just happen to shut down our economy? Did it just happen to create the exact circumstances the Democrats needed to defeat Donald Trump in 2020? Our government is the enemy of the American people. So yeah, shut them down. Shut them down long and hard. We don't need them. We don't need them. The longer they're shut down, well, the the less damage they can do to us. Because all they do is damage. All right, this is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. God bless you all, and until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Has Drew Allen. Conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.